0: Okay, let me drink some water.
1: I should have gotten water.
0: (sighs) (laughs) Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. In today's episode, we are back to discuss a show that has firmly become a summer fixture in seemingly everyone's lives... Netflix's Stranger Things. And now that both Iman and I have finally finished watching the third season, we'll touch base on some of our favorite moments, our not-so-favorite characters, and we'll crown the season MVP. All that is right after the break.
1: We could be true American heroes. Don't you love your country?
0: You can't spell America without Erica. Alright, Iman, before we start, let's throw out a major spoiler alert. We will be discussing the third season of Stranger Things in its entirety. So, if you're listening to this and you haven't finished watching, stop listening and return to this later. If you have finished watching, it's likely you've binged it all over the 4th of July weekend and maybe you've already forgotten some of the storyline details and need a refresher. Iman, you know what that means, right?
1: Of course, it's time for some plot talk. Yes. Alright, relying on Wikipedia for this one. In the summer of 1985 in Hawkins, the new Starcourt Mall has become the focal point of the town, driving other stores out of business. Sheriff Jim Hopper is conflicted over Eleven and Mike's budding relationship, while Joyce considers moving out of Hawkins for better prospects, leaving the state of the children's friendships and her own relationship with Hopper in the air. However, strange power fluctuations trigger Will's awareness of something otherworldly, and the crew senses that something is off about the town's residents. Despite having closed the portal to the Upside Down, the danger it poses still looms. Alright, Gadla, we mentioned this show broadly in our past year-in-review episodes, but I want to know, what were your overall impressions of Season 3 of Stranger Things?
0: Well, when we've discussed this show in the past, we've almost always had very positive things to say about it. It's a show that understands its strengths and plays into them really, really well. I'm happy to say Season 3 for me was no exception. When I run down the list of things I wrote that Stranger Things does really well, this season ticks all the boxes. Totally. So going down that list, number one, depicting childhood friendships and adolescence in a genuine way. In season three, we definitely see our protagonists confront growing up and we start to see them exploring relationships even amongst themselves.
1: Oh my gosh, so much angst, <laughs> which I think the general consensus on from some people is that it was a little bit too much or a little annoying, and I'll admit, even five years ago, that angst would have bothered me, but watching these teens struggling with growing into young adulthood, now in my mid-twenties, I think I was less annoyed and more into the nuances of each teen's life. Interesting. Were they kind of jerks? Was Eleven way too easily influenced? Yes. (laughs) But it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the show at all. And like you said, I thought it was well done on the whole.
0: Yeah, I agree. Another huge, huge strength that Stranger Things has is, of course, leaning into the horror-slash-mystery-slash-suspense-movie motifs. While I was watching this season in particular, I was frequently reminded of Get Out, both visually Mm. and thematically with their concept of the sunken place, and even the Mind Flayer's ability to tap into its victim's most traumatic memories definitely gave off some Get Out vibes.
1: Seriously, I... Won't pretend that I understood it as much as I did in Get Out. Mm -hmm. Billy's whole seeing his mother on a (laughs) beach thing kind of went over my head at points. But when we talk about horror, when we talk about suspense, oh my gosh, totally. Nancy and Jonathan spent 90% of their time on screen in a straight up horror film. And while I would have liked to see more from them, there's no denying that the special effects were something else this, this season. Oh my
0: gosh, yes, especially in that hospital
1: episode. Oh my god, so gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, moving on to number three on my list. Stranger Things is great at capturing 80s nostalgia. We got this with the show's soundtrack. There were definite Star Wars slash Breaking into the Death Star vibes when some of the main characters found their way into an underground Russian military base. Very true. And, of course, we also got our guest star appearance from an 80s star. While in season two we had Sean Astin, who played the lovable Bob, this time we had Carrie Yules, best known for playing Wesley in The Princess Bride who here played the slimeball mayor of Hawkins.
1: Yes, this was some of the first news I heard out of season three. It was an article on The Ringer about Carrie Ewells, or elways I'm not sure how you pronounce his <laughs> name. Um, it was an article about he was going to be in the season, and of course, as a huge fan of Robin Hood Men in Tights, I was amped. <laughs> I w- he felt a bit like an 80s caricature, especially with that accent, but in Hawkins, hey... It works. Also, speaking of 80s nostalgia, setting up Russia as the big bad this season felt deliciously appropriate for that era. Ooh, I agree with that. And I think that dovetails onto our fourth and final favorite thing, which was that they kept the bad guys interesting this season. Yes, I was
0: particularly impressed with this because in each of the previous seasons, we've seen variations of the Demogorgon, This season, we were introduced to the Mind Flayer, a completely new monster, I guess. And to top that off, we were also, as you mentioned, introduced to the Russians, who were trying to reopen the gate in order to assumedly weaponize the creatures of the Upside Down.
1: Totally. I mean... Like any good horror suspense movie, the true villains are not going to be the paranormal, but it's people that are afraid of the paranormal or just weaponizing it, as you said. So getting some human villains in the mix was really great. And then we also, as I mentioned earlier, had Billy as that strange in-between where he was half person, half zombie? I don't know what we want to call him. Mm -hmm. But seeing him and this sea of Hawkins extras in the final scenes, at the very least, complicated the villains.
0: Yes, and it kept us interested. Mm -hmm. So bringing it back to my main point, yes, the show was definitely in keeping with a lot of the things that made it great in the first place. That said... I did take some notes and made some lists while I was watching it, and I thought we could spend maybe the next part of this episode discussing those. Sounds great. My first list is called Things That Annoyed Me, a.k.a. Carla's Savage Takes Corner. Oh
1: my gosh, all into it.
0: (laughs) And the second is my list of season MVPs. Great. All right, so let's start with the things that annoyed me. Number one on my list, Mike this season, for like 90% of the season. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned we got to see the kids, the characters growing up a little this season. I think Mike was definitely the the character that suffered the most for it this, this time around, only because as Eleven's boyfriend... Oh, man. He was he was getting it, on my last nerve. It was a nerve. tough look for our guy. <laughs> yes.
1: It was such a contrast because in earlier seasons, I think his strength was that he was, I mean, I think Will is definitely the most sensitive of the group. Um, and he actually had a good run, or at least a few good moments this season because of the way that he was scared of his friends leaving him, mm-hmm. but the fact that Mike was the one inflicting that hurt upon him and the group as a whole. I mean, he was the Mike was the one that was so upset that Max was joining the crew in season two, and in this season he was just this super annoying angsty teen.
0: He was the John Lennon of the group. <laughs> when when yeah. Eleven just wanted to be a part of the friend group and she had no no intentions in breaking up the the band, so to speak. Oh
1: my gosh, seriously, seeing seeing how well Lucas and Max's relationship worked and how Mike and Eleven's relationship was <laughs> so ridiculously in contrast to that made me definitely a little bit more annoyed with Mike. But at the end of the day, they're... They're tweens in the 80s. I can can dismiss it. Yes.
0: And I think part of the reason why Mike was so annoying was because we were seeing a lot of his character through the eyes of Hopper, who Mm -hmm. incidentally is number two on my list of things that annoyed me. Because I wrote down Hopper's insecurities, which to me at least got a little overplayed. I don't remember previous seasons playing him as much of a bumbling fool as they did this season, and I get that it was meant to be kind of a comedic performance, but it kind of got old.
1: I feel like this take isn't completely my own. It's somewhat influenced by The Ringer, so I apologize for the plagiarism, but Hopper's... it seemed like he took on some of the neuroses of parenting this season because it was the first time that Elle was actually acting like a child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And The Ringer made an interesting point about how Joyce had kind of let up a bit and then Hopper took on those, that over parenting. Oh, All I see. that said, Hopper didn't bug me as much as he bugged you. I, but I. Fully admit, I was buying into the having fun seeing him wearing super '80s clothing. In <laughs> I enjoyed that <laughs> eating part. Tostitos on the couch. <laughs> I agree that there's a fine line between bumbling fool and funny dad bod guy.
0: Yeah, and I must say, the payoff in the end with that tearjerker voiceover of him reading the notes he had written for his talk with L totally totally paid off. So oh I in gosh. no way am trying to suggest that I didn't like his performance as a whole. I just thought the the insecurities, the the pacing back and forth, the the jokes about him getting fat were a little yeah, a little too much.
1: It was his inability to cope with his emotions which is always going to be frustrating as woke women in 2019
0: yeah. Okay. Moving on. Number three on my list. There were a bunch of truly unlikable characters that took up a lot of time this season, especially toward the beginning. First, there were those reporters at the Hawkins Post. There was oh my also. God. <laughs> yeah. There was also that boring Russian slash Terminator like character that would never die Mm -hmm. and i'm even going to add to this list billy because oh my
1: gosh you weren't kidding about a savage (laughs) list i know the boy got possessed
0: i know but i felt like the the show itself spent so much time demonizing this character even back in season two that i felt Seeing scenes of him with his mom at the beach weren't enough to make me feel bad for this character, even when he was sacrificing himself at the end. Maybe it's just me, but I didn't feel like it was as earned.
1: No, I I can definitely agree with that. This was probably one of the instances in which the season suffered from being so short. Mm Mm-hmm separating an emotional scene of him as a kid excited that his mom's watching him surfing and then him as a lifeguard pre-possession hitting on all the moms in their bathing suits yeah it felt a little like okay we need a little bit more time between this this scene and that one to to make it more emotionally resonant
0: yes next on my list For number four, I wrote the mismanagement of Carrie Yules' comedic acting.
1: This is a great take, and one that I have not heard people express (laughs) enough about.
0: Maybe this is just because you and I were such big, big fans of Robin Hood men in tights growing up, but I wanted the mayor to be a bigger character than he was this season, but to me, it seemed like he was he was kind of just squeezed in there for the cameo and not not much else,
1: yeah, I mean, you compare him to a character like Bob last season who was given so much of a greater influence, so much depth the The mayor was just so flat, and I get it, maybe we can argue that this is told from the perspective of the kids or from Jim, and the mayor would be flat in a world like that, but what's the point yeah they had this this arguably great actor it was it it was a fun character but i mean again if we would have had more time throughout the season to get more more with him than just watching him almost get his finger cut off in a (laughs) cigar chopper thing i mean yeah i i completely feel you on this one and i wish that we would have either had a little bit more time with him, or maybe even no time with him at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I did, I must say, when I did see the cigar chopper scene, it did flash me back to
1: Robin Robin Hood's (laughs) pin
0: tights with the carrot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you know, you know. If you know, you know.
0: Okay, and finally, number five on my list. Speaking of underserved characters, Will Byers seemed to exist as nothing more than an alarm system for whenever the bad guys got close. I loved at the beginning of the season when Will was voicing his insecurities about fitting in with a friend group now that they all had girlfriends. But after those first couple episodes, he kind of faded into the background.
1: Yeah, I mean... It, Dustin might not have been with the crew for most of the season, but he was definitely doing things. Oh, yeah. Well, he was there, but he kind of just existed, like you said, as an alarm system, as this kind of ghost that was in the background, making them feel guilty about having girlfriends. <laughs> and I feel like that that was such such a disservice to, I think, a character portrayal that would have been really emotionally resonant to a lot of people watching Stranger Things, which is people that are afraid to grow up. I mean, what is, what is Stranger Things if not an indulgence in nostalgia. nostalgia and fun, like, fun TV of your youth? Like, I think a lot of, a lot of pseudo Will Byers's are watching this show, so seeing him get so easily just pushed aside <laughs> after having gone through so much trauma in earlier seasons, yeah, it, it was kind of like he finally existed as more than just a kid that was in a coma or a kid that was being possess- possessed and they just hadn't fleshed him out as a character and didn't know what to do with him
0: yes and to top it off they didn't even give him a haircut he still has the oh head haircut yeah. <laughs> poor
1: yeah poor oh, will
0: poor will okay well those were my my more spicy hot takes but there was so much about this season to love. So why don't we transition into listing off some of our season MVPs? That sounds great. Okay, I'll go first. Number one on my list, Maxine and Elle's friendship. You liked this? Yes, this was one that caught me a little bit off guard. Maybe it was because I had so much, so much overwhelming hate toward Mike. But to see Elle connect with a girl her own age seemed really healthy and so much fun to watch because it was seeing a different side of Elle that I guess I was really craving without knowing I was.
1: When you put it like that, no, I totally feel you. It did feel somewhat liberating. And I thought that a lot of what Max was saying in terms of just kind of offering that Fellow empowered female voice. <laughs> even if I thought L's reactions, like quote, I dump his ass, were kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> on the whole, I thought it, it was a fun relationship to see play out. Yeah. Okay. What was what was on your list of MVPs? I mean, even more so than Max and L, I need to give a shout out to the consistently delightful Steve Harrington. Yes. For a character that was supposed to be killed off in season one, Steve continues to be a wonderful all-around character, and this season seeing him get paired with the new character, Robin, both while working in the mall in these super silly uniforms while he's grappling with not getting accepted to colleges, it just made him such a such a relatable character to watch and it was it was kind of fun to see him have to grapple with not being steve the hare harrington (laughs) yeah and that just i mean that makes seeing him and dustin together there's there's no way that's not going to be super fun and and likable
0: of course to me what really stood out is just how much of a amazingly brave character he is
1: Seriously.
0: And even if he's wearing a uniform that makes him look like Sailor Moon, he is <laughs> he is still taking care of these kids in a way that their parents never seem to to do, apart from Joyce. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> Seriously. And also I mentioned Robin before, but I thought the sexuality reveal was treated very well and that made for a uh, An interesting twist that I didn't see coming.
0: Yeah, definitely. To introduce a new character this late in the game and have her be so likable is an accomplishment, to say the least.
1: Yeah, what a a triumph. Shout out to Maya Hawk, Ethan Hawk, and Uma Thurman's daughter.
0: Oh my god, I didn't know.
1: I know, but when you see her, it's like, you get it. (laughs) Maybe it also Um,
0: explains her coolness.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I we should probably confirm this because I'm pretty sure that's who her parents are.
0: <laughs> okay, I doubt anyone will be sending us angry emails, but oh, yeah. <laughs> hate mail. But but we will we will fact check it later. Yes. <laughs> okay, number three on our list of season MVPs: the mall.
1: Yeah, and I wrote in parentheses
0: the stores, the fashion.
1: Oh my gosh, the suspenders. <laughs> the food court. Yeah, we we mentioned it earlier, but I specifically loved Starcourt as a mall in small town America because we grew up in the 90s, we never really got to experience malls as shiny, bright, new forums for meetings and hanging out with your friends. I mean, they were already
0: on the downturn, I think.
1: Yeah, probably due in part to the fact that they all still looked like they were in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I, that, yes, absolutely super fun to see. But I also think, apart from watching it in the show, it's worth a mention that the Duffer Brothers actually built a working mall as part of the set.
0: Oh my god, that's amazing.
1: In the article I read with Carrie Elways, so if we get any hate mail you can take it up with him, he was commenting about how the food court had functioning kitchens that they they basically took a shell of an old mall and rebuilt it to look exactly like the 80s, so shouts to their attention to detail and creating such a such a rich set to play in.
0: Yes. The thing I loved about the mall is it created a fun, almost like Where's Waldo game, where you would play, where you would watch the scene, but you'd also tick off like l- names of stores that unfortunately don't exist anymore. Oh like, my god. Oh my yeah. god, Radio Shack, or <laughs> Jazzercise, which still exists
1: but yes oh my gosh the Jazzercise shout out was perfect yeah specifically because I probably wore a Jazzercise shirt at some point while watching this show (laughs) all right what's next on our list going down our list the gosh probably one of my top MVPs of the season (laughs) conspiracy theorist Murray Bowman aka Bald Eagle I loved him Oh my gosh, he was fantastic this season, and it's no secret to anyone that has talked to us, you and I very recently got into Fleabag to catch up to season two. Mm -hmm. He plays a despicable character, wouldn't you agree?
0: Probably one of the top five most unlikable characters in any show ever.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Agreed. So going immediately into Stranger Things after having seen that, I was convinced that I would have residual hatred towards him. But then I saw his jorts and I was totally won over. (laughs) Yes. Again, I think this was
0: part of the magic of having him interact with characters, like real MVP characters like Steve and like Dustin. And Mm-hmm. Having him kind of be the curmudgeon in ways yeah. that I guess Hopper used to be in previous seasons,
1: it was yeah, it was that. really endearing. Especially since it, it was also interesting to see him do effectively the same thing he had done in season one with Nancy and Jonathan, mm-hmm. doing it with Hopper and Joyce. It made me realize, oh, I just really like Murray, and Nancy and Jonathan are fine, but they're not probably my favorite characters of the series, so seeing him put up against, like you said, Steve, the Dustins, it was a really fun dynamic.
0: Yes. And speaking of characters that really grew on me, I have to give a special shout-out to Erica. I thought her witty one-liners were very funny. I... I enjoyed the sass, and the fact that she was a closet nerd all along was also a fun reveal.
1: All right, all right. (laughs) I I have to, you you won me over somewhat. In my notes, all I'd written for this was, my hottest of all takes, colon, no. (laughs) (laughs) My concern with Erica going into the season, or my annoyance with Erica going into the season was, are you guys serious? Just because the kids are a little bit older, you guys are my co- like cousin Olivering this by dragging in <laughs> Lucas's little sister, trying to get a cute little girl, but then having her give way too mature for her age breakdowns <laughs> of capitalism and communism and all this nerdy stuff. But yeah, she she graded on me for ninety nine percent of the season. But what you just mentioned now about. Her relationship with Dustin and him kind of subtly coaching her, at least as much as Erica can be coached, into accepting that nerddom is sometimes useful, that um, I, I admit it was a little endearing. For
0: me, having one character act as an audience surrogate and comment on the ridiculousness of everything is, is a little fun, especially yeah. with a show like Stranger Things.
1: And honestly, I'm going to like any character that Steve is acting against, so it kind of (laughs) worked.
0: Okay, Iman, what's your final MVP?
1: My last MVP is a little unconventional and might sound kind of curmudgeonly myself, but shout out to, or rather, an MVP nomination to not binging all of Stranger Things in one weekend. Ooh. I know that they had... Stranger Things is really great about manufacturing a lot of hype and building genuine hype for their shows, releasing it in the dead of summer when they know people will have the time to sit inside and do nothing. But this is, without doubt, one of the seasons that I remembered the best and possibly my favorite. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there are random characters even writing this outline, like Mrs. Driscoll, whose name I remembered. And I was <laughs> shocked by the fact that I remembered her when I cannot tell you a single name of one of the characters in last year's trash bottle episode. Uh huh. I mean, I was so locked in this season, and I do attribute that to, in part, to rationing my viewings out over. I didn't, I wasn't going one episode a week, like traditional appointment viewing, but I made sure that I wasn't, I was really locked in and paying attention every time that I did. So it was maybe one episode on, on binge days, two episodes. And with such a short season, I feel like you kind of have to give it that time and let it soak in. Yeah. So... To each their own, but for me, that made this season a really fun and really special experience.
0: No, I think that's a great tip, and I'd like to think that I was some sort of influence on this, because I remember when we lived together, it was almost a point of contention (laughs) that I was so stingy with my TV shows and didn't want to binge anything ever, so... Oh my (laughs) god, I'd like to think... I'm rubbing off on you at least a little in this Maybe respect. a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Iman, as we try to finish off this episode, I thought it'd be fun to do some quickfire predictions for season four. So I wrote Wait. down five questions, and I thought it'd be fun if we give quick one word or one sentence answers to them. Are you ready? Yes. All right, <laughs> number one. Is Hopper still alive?
1: No doubt. He has to be the American.
0: I agree. This is more of a sure thing than Jon Snow still being alive to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I'm sure there are plenty of Reddit articles online comparing the pros and cons or the yes and the no's, but I think we're both agreed that it's a yes.
0: Yes. Okay. Number two. Will Elle get her powers back?
1: I am going to go out on a limb and hope that the show is going to show some restraint and say no, Mm -hmm. at least for a season. This totally depends on how many seasons the show is going to have. If next season is the last one, then yes, absolutely. I know that eventually she will get them back, but it would be kind of cool to see her not have them for a season.
0: Yeah, I agree. Some restraint would be really interesting to watch, especially since... It seemed like in this season especially, she was such a savior character who would come in and fix everything.
1: Yeah, and she was also kind of using it for things like shutting doors. And I'm like, okay, there's there's some (laughs) like Chekhov's power hanging out here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
0: for question number three, this is a character we haven't mentioned up until this point. But is Susie's character, who is of course Dustin's girlfriend here to stay?
1: Man, what a payoff. (laughs) This is an interesting question. I am going to say yes, but I can so easily see it being just like dropped off and forgotten.
0: Yeah. Do you want her to be a fixture in the show or are you okay with her reveal being enough?
1: (laughs) Hot take. She kind of bugged me. I... (laughs) I'm okay with that with a little less Susie in my life (laughs) okay all right number four
0: will Joyce Byers ever have a stable relationship
1: oh my gosh this is like see question one is Hopper still alive (laughs) the show is making no secrets that Hopper and Joyce are supposed to end up together I mean the Enzo's line at the end of this season we know we all know where it's going I think I do think this question kind of draws in bigger questions about how many seasons is the show going to be spread out across. This is kind of the Jim and Pam thing. So, mm-hmm. I will say of course I hope she ends up in a stable relationship. Will we see it or will it be one of those like the very end of the series we see them finally go on a date?
0: Or plot twist, I, will it be with their science teacher?
1: The <laughs> kids' oh science teacher that i know you didn't like his jealousy this season but that was a great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> moving on to our our fifth and final question i will toss this one over to you which of the four boys will survive puberty the best i love this question
0: Ooh, i think it can go in so many different ways um i want to say lucas and dustin are top contenders but Will might be a dark horse. If he cuts his hair, maybe he will pull up to the number one position.
1: Oh my gosh. Getting... I I agree. Um, I, I was going to shout out um, Dustin for sure. Getting to spend some time with him as a character alone this season made me realize, like, wow, Dustin is super smart. So I shouts to him for just being generally endearing but um yeah we'll we'll stay tuned for for will and his haircut yes that
0: is definitely the the biggest question weighing on my mind (laughs) (laughs) all right iman well i think that does it for this episode of screensaver for any of you listening out there if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on stranger things or if you have any corrections reach out to us you can follow us on twitter and instagram at screensaver and like our facebook page screensaver podcast thanks for listening everyone bye iman
1: bye Carlos this was fun bye